Okay, so we're uh, we're studying Titus, and we had worked through uh, chapter or lesson one, and we're down to uh, just a couple of more questions. In verse two, well, uh, staying in verse one, we've, we've done two weeks on two verses. I'm, I wonder if the whole epistle will be like that. What do you think Paul's main concern was? We talked about that last week. It's in verse 1. And the answer was is that his main concern is godliness. And it was, um, especially as it, we're going to see as it manifests itself in good works. So um, Paul's ministry is evangelism, and edification. And what's what's the purpose? He's trying to bring individual believers into the fullness of eternal life. So that led to the next question was, when did God promise eternal life? From all eternity. Read chapter 2, or verse 2. What's it say? Yeah, before the world began, he promised eternal life. So what is eternal life? Does it mean you get to live forever? Yes. Life eternal. Life, life eternal, okay. <laughs> you just com- committed your own sin. Oh, I know. <laughs> Define a word by the word. What is eternal life? Uh, okay, yeah, that's... What's what's John seventeen say? Uh-huh. Knowing the Father and and the Son, the one who sent him. So, so eternal life is not uh, a substance uh, in a jar someplace in your kitchen. It's uh, it's a intimacy fellowship with the, with the Lord of the universe is eternal life. So it's it's more than just having life. It's involved in relationship. Okay. So, last question. Why do you think Paul speaks of the God who cannot lie? Why do you think he says that? I mean, it seems like a kind of a weird, uh, to me anyway, uh, kind of a weird, uh, a weird thing to put in. Uh, right. Yeah. <clears throat> Can I step back for just one second? I wanted to just um, bring up one thought with regards to that second or the question number eight. <clears throat> um, in chapter, or I'm sorry, in verse two, it starts out at least with the NESB uh, with the word "in," mm-hmm. in the hope of eternal life. And as I was looking at that, it was interesting because that word communicates a resting place. Um, which I thought was an interesting observation uh, for the word that you're resting on. That word epi means that with you have a view to, you're resting in a view to eternal life. And I, I just thought that that was a really interesting point uh, with regards to what Paul is talking about here, um, which is based on the fact that God cannot lie. Uh, our rest is in eternal life is based on the fact that he is righteous and he does not lie. 
So I just thought that there, there was something interesting there that we might have, maybe we talked about it last week. I forgot. No, it's good. Um, there's a specific reason why the, he uses this phrase here, though, and it has to do with the people on Crete, the, who are known as Cretans. <laughs> I love the term. The Cretans were notorious liars. Uh, when you look down in 112, let's see here. 112, so uh, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars. Always. So he wants to make the point to Titus, who is over there appointing elders for the church in, in uh, Crete, that the God that he's talking about does not lie. Cannot lie. And so, um, uh, he, he makes, he makes that comparison. And the reason, uh, the Cretans is really, these people were really interesting. Verse 12 says that they're, uh, they're like evil beasts. Uh, they're, uh, they're lazy. They're gluttonous. And he's contrasting how believers are supposed to live because of the God that they serve and the fact that they, as uh, J.D. pointed out, in the hope of eternal life. There's a difference in the lifestyle. Okay. So, um, well, how much different is that from our environment today? I mean, how, I mean it's not different I mean, at all. How, how quick are we to... Uh, to, to shape and form a lie around every single form of hope in this world. Yeah. Without yeah. the Lord. I mean, we're, we've approached like the Greeks were back then that there is a, you get a merit badge for being a good liar. You're admired because you can, you can lie so glibly, smoothly and people, people admire that. All started with Bill Clinton. <laughs> It depends on what is, is. I love that answer. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to go back to it, too, a little bit, too. You know, it, it kind of ties in. At, it, what Edgar said was, you know, what is eternal life? It's to know, know him. And that in uh, John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that you may know, that you may, that they may know you, the only true God of Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's eternal life. Yeah. And and at the other thing which ties into it, the true God, it doesn't lie. It, it's, yeah, you know, and that's the contrast, right? That's the so contrast. Think, yeah, yeah. falling back into Titus, that both of them, what is eternal life to know Him? Yeah, and He's the true God. He cannot lie. His holy that's righteous right. cannot lie. Yeah. What uh, out of Constable's uh, commentary, he says, but a more specific pagan theology may be at the root. Paul's reference to the God who does not lie could well lampoon the character of Zeus of the Cretan Tales, who in fact did lie to have sexual relations with a human woman, taking the human form of her husband. This same Zeus, who was also held to be the epitome of virtue, <laughs> really, <laughs> defined by his Possession of cardinal virtues, a dimension of his character that will be more focused later on. Yeah, it's interesting how it doesn't, it, you don't have to be a cretin and you don't have to be 
you don't have to be uh, what what the Jews would call barbarians or the Greeks would call barbarians, uneducated people, to just take a look and see that lying and deception are Satan's greatest tools. Deception is his number one tool. And that's exactly how he starts out with Eve. It's really great. There's an old uh, saying that, that he who asks the questions is in control of the conversation. Okay? So if I'm Satan and I go to Eve, what's the first thing I do? I ask her a question. Did God say? Who's controlling the conversation? He is. We did the same thing to the Lord Jesus. But do you know what the Lord Jesus did to him? You will not tempt the Lord thy God. He started quoting scripture at him. And how do you deal with that? After about three tries, he, he was instructed to leave. And he left. So, okay, I'm done. You're back up. By the way, I was going to uh, give you a heads up. After Courtney, after Courtney's uh, couple verses here, the next thing we're going to study is the qualifications for elders, which is, I spent a lot of time this week messing with that. It's just really cool. So. All right. So we are in lesson two now of Titus. Hopefully everybody has the question set. All right, so lesson two, we're going over two more verses, uh, verses four and five of chapter one. So I'll go ahead and uh, read that. I'll go actually one, um, one through five, just again, context of what we've uh, just been through to set up the verses four and five. So beginning in verse one, Titus one, Paul, a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ago, long ages ago, but at the proper time manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now the verses for this lesson. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. So, uh, basically I wanted to kind of go over a little bit of uh, background uh, that would help. So, Paul, Paul was released from his first imprisonment from Rome and visited Ephesus where he left Timothy to supervise the churches before traveling to Macedonia, which is in northern Greece. He then visited Crete and, and left Titus there to supervise the churches there before traveling to Nicopolis in Acacia, which is in southern Greece. So it was from, it was from there that he wrote Titus to encourage him. So he had been, uh, well, we'll see the, the relationship between Titus and Paul. Um, so, Basically, he left Titus in charge of the uh, work in the ministry at Crete. And then later we'll see some uh, other things where Paul still has a relationship with Titus and wants him to move and help him in different areas. So so from verse 4, what is the first indication of Paul and Titus's relationship? What do we see in that for, in verse 4? What 
What do we see about the relationship? Silence. Very personal. <laughs> Very personal. Mic too. If you're on, if you can find a mic there. Buried under. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Just so people can hear you. Yeah. All right. Very personal. All right. Any others? My true child in the common faith. When I was reading Constable, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he said he thought he emphasized that because Titus was an uncircumcised Gentile and Paul wanted people to know that they were on the same page. They had the same faith. They believed the same things. Yeah. Did did you guys hear that out in video world? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if it was on. I just want to make sure. So they hear it. Um, Yeah. So, any other comments before I, I th- yeah, basically Titus calls him my true child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, again, when you think about that, there's the, the intimacy of that and the relationship that expresses a very close relationship. He, he calls him his true child. So what do you, I, I guess <laughs> the question is, is Titus his child? No. <laughs> no. Um, so, but it's, again, what I say, this shows an intimate, very personal relationship between Paul and Titus. Most commentaries indicates that most likely Paul was the one who led Titus to the Lord. Following that, Titus traveled with Paul. He accompanied Paul to, uh, the Apostolic Council in Jerusalem. We see that in Acts 15-2 and Galatians 2-1 through 3. He was also with Paul's, he was also Paul's emissary to the church at Corinth. Uh, during Paul's third missionary trip. We see that in 2 Corinthians 7, 6 and 7, 8, 6 and 16. Titus was also one of the men who delivered Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, 17 and 18. Paul left him in Crete and then later asked him to come to meet Paul in Nicopolis, uh, Titus 3, 12. After that, Paul asked him to go to Dalmatia, which is the old Yugoslavia. So, Again, the relationship between Paul and Titus is very tight. He used them. He traveled with them. He sent them. He was a guy who sent. Think about this. You didn't have email. You didn't have like, you know, Pony Express. You didn't have anything to deliver these, these, uh, epistles of Paul to the churches. So he, if you write this, do you send it with a guy who you kind of don't know or you kind of know or whatever? You, you want this with somebody who you can trust. So as I went through the, the history of the Paul and Titus's relationship, Paul used Titus in many different instances. He trusted him. So much so in here in Titus, he calls him his true child. So again, it's a very, very personal relationship between Titus and Paul. And again, you know, he's called him out to head up the church at Crete. But then later he tells him to go to, uh, uh, Nicopolis and then to Dalmatia. So again, Paul, Paul has a very personal relationship and a trusting relationship with Titus. So, so much that again, the, the relationship, he says, my true child. And again, what, what I think that really leads, and I think most of the commentary said is my true child. Well, the child part is that he was probably the one that, that, uh, brought Titus to the Lord and was there when, when, uh, Titus accepted and, and was part of that. So I think that's where 
the the uh, description of being a child he was his spiritual father that he he was the one who led Titus to the Lord and he emphasizes that they have the same faith same they faith which we'll get yeah the common faith we'll get to that yeah oh. and and uh and that yeah the relationship is based on mm-hmm. that common faith <clears throat> um <clears throat> so I guess some of, some of the other passages that show this intimate relationship, this father-son uh, that Paul and Titus had. If you look in 2 Corinthians 2.13, I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother. So he was longing for Titus, uh, and, and, he, and he wasn't there. So, again, just when you have this relationship with somebody and they're not there, you long for them. And here's Paul in 2 Corinthians saying, I had no rest for my spirit because Titus wasn't there. He wanted Titus to be there, his true child in the common faith. In 2 Corinthians 8.23, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. So again, not only does he call him a child, he's his partner in all of his missionary work. And um, so again, there's just this amazing relationship. And again, think of what, Mike, we'll get a little bit into this. <laughs> You're sent to the to the church at Crete. This is a good looking bunch, aren't they? <laughs> you know, do you want to send, you want to send your B team in to the guys who are liars and evil beasts and slackers and all this? You know, that, that's really the assignment you want is to go to the people who are evil, evil and liars. So Paul takes Titus and says, <laughs> you're going to be in charge of the work here. And so I think he had so much trust in, in Titus. That he says, you, you're the guy I need in Crete because, you know, <laughs> this is not going to be an easy ministry here. So Paul, Paul has this, uh, again, just this fond relationship with him and, and trust in him that he could deal with the Cretans. You know, that's funny that we still, I mean, you use that term today to describe kind of lazy, slackered, liars, whatever. You're a Cretan. Um, and it was based on <laughs> people from Crete. So. So now we know that Paul and Titus traveled together and had a brotherly father relationship. Now this gets to the second half. What bonded Paul and Titus in this relationship as expressed in the verse? What bonded them? What? Faith. Yeah. He said to Titus, my true child in a common faith. So, of course, you know what my next question is. What was or is the common faith? You're a true child in the common faith. What is that? I would say the simplest terms is the gospel is that anyone who believes in Jesus will receive forgiveness of sins and the spirit will enter them. Okay. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Kind of answering yeah. a common faith. Yeah. So the the, the what's the common part? Well, just it. Right. It's, <clears throat> right. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Or whoever. Well, Ruth, I think Ruth said Christ, and I think that's right. Um, the the interesting thing about it is that the 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 faith of believers does not vary. Um, my faith is the same as your faith, is the same as Titus's faith, which is the same as Paul's faith. It is in the same object, which I think Ruth mentioned Christ. 
Um, but there's no super faiths going on around here. Um, the, the common has to do with the fact that all share in the same result through the same type of faith, and that is in the Lord Jesus. Yeah, I think you remember when we taught the faith class, remember it's kind of broken up into four different, you know, and one is the unity of faith. I yeah. think that's kind of what we we're, we're kind of talking here, the unity of faith, which is the common faith in Christ. It's all it's all that same faith in Christ, the unity of faith. Yeah. In uh, Second Peter one, one Paul says to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, you read the verse I was going to read. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. If you didn't get it, yeah, Second Peter one one. You know, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Christ. To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. So again, the same, the same, uh, commonality of faith. So he's talking about faith in Christ, the unity of faith, uh, that we have in, in Christ. And again, there's, you know, when we went through the pay, I should look that up on the faith class, there was personal faith, there was unity of faith, there was to, the faith, the faith, and or, uh, there was a fourth. <laughs> Um, you remember JD or I can't remember what the fourth, but, but again, the unity of faith, I think is the common or the faith. Maybe that was more the faith faith was what, when we broke it down into the essence of faith, essence. Yeah. Hebrews 12, one or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So again, um, the, uh, the common faith and there's another one that I looked up to, uh, in second Corinthians four, 13, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. So again, it's the, but having the same spirit of faith. So again, it's the, uh, that, that's the bond is the common faith that they have. So, um, uh, I guess the question I have after that, <laughs> could Paul address us? In the same, do we have the <laughs> faith in a common faith? Would okay, we be Holly Hills. at Holly Hills or to any believer? Yes. Yes. I don't think so. <laughs> That's, I was, I've seen his face. You guys don't see his face. I'm looking at his. Yeah, I don't think so. Why? Well, of course, now the next question is why? Well, the, the, the point is, is that, uh, uh Paul met, uh, Titus in Antioch, mm-hmm. which was must have been the biggest church around early on, and they worked together there. And then the Spirit came and told them, "Look, I want you to go out and start evangelizing." And so Titus seems to be in, involved in that work. Um, but you know, with over 5,000 different denominations. Do we all believe the same thing? No, we don't. So we don't have a common. In, I think it's important for believers to understand at least the basics. We're spending, how many weeks now? Two months on Romans 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. The, the, the salvation, righteousness of God. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I put out that list of questions. Not a single person asked me about those. 
you know, is it because everybody sitting in the audience and on Zoom has got all of this down? I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, one of the things that we have Bible study about is not only to learn, but also to refine what do we believe, you know, and someone will say, well, what do you think about this? And, you know, and, and it, a piece gets put in there that maybe wasn't there before. And I think that that's what Paul and Titus had worked through a lot of that. I, I've always imagined that these, these guys going down the road, you know, to, to walk from Antioch to the next town yeah. or the next province is days. Mm-hmm. What did they do while they were walking? They were talking. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess. I oh, go ahead, Diddy. Well, my, my question has to do with, are we talking about, so obviously my true child, um, applies specifically to Titus and also to Timothy. Um, those were relationships, uh, where you have a kind of the mentor of faith to the protege of faith and they shared the faith. And so the question now is that, so we're not looking at the my true child part, but the common faith, does that have to do with the whole of faith or does that have to do with personal faith in the gospel? See that, that would, my, mine would be that it, the common faith is the same for us in that which way you're looking at it. Are you looking at it from the personal me looking at faith and what I do and all that or the faith, which is in Christ, the, the yeah. common faith, which is trust in Christ, salvation, all those. Mm-hmm. I think even the, the, any believer has a rudimentary knowledge of Christ came, died for your sins, death, burial, resurrection. Those, that's, there, there are a billion people who have that, that common faith. Base 101. Now, we, we look at it and without the identification, you can't grow, but they have that common faith, which is faith in Christ. And that's where I say we, we, we all as believers have at least that. Because I'm looking at it from the, almost the object rather than us looking at the object. It, the, that's the personal faith, but the common or the faith is well, what we all have. That's where my argument that we don't uh, have a common faith in that if you were to take all of the high-profile uh, evangelicals and evangelist preachers today and just have them write out their gospel message, yeah. There's so much law in each one of those. It's not the it's not the true gospel. It's John MacArthur. You go to ask yeah. John MacArthur, what is salvation? He'll never answer you. Right. He'll always say, well, the Puritans think this, and the, you know, and everybody says, well, he's a Christian. Well, is he really? Well, I, yeah. I mean, but I but I go to the base base common faith, which yeah. is faith in Christ. Yeah. That's the base common personal faith. Personal work of Christ. Personal work of Christ. Yeah. And without if, and anything if, added. Without anything added. And that's where, I mean, right. we've had this discussion. Are there, I mean, just because they don't know the identification truths that right. they won, they still know the Lord. I mean, they're still saved, but they're in the, they're in the nursery right. and they'll be there right. forever. My because point is this, that salvation is by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. There's so much law and other things added onto it. Um, but the, the faith is the faith. Yeah. And that's yeah. the common faith. If you're a, and I'm saying if you're a believer, if you have the saving knowledge, sure. 
you have that There's common base, base, baseline common faith. All believers have that saying. Because if you don't, you're not a believer. Right, right. So that's right. I think that Second Peter one one um, that Joanne brought up is really important. Because you know when Peter's talking about the, or Paul's talking to Peter about this. Uh, well, sorry, rather when Peter's talking about this. And first one, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our. And so I don't think he's talking about the full doctrine. It was still being unveiled at that time, right? Right. Um, The faith was not even fully known yet. But what was known was the gospel message. And that was received, and that's who Peter was writing to. And I think that in this verse, while I recognize that Christianity across the board falters on agreeing on the gospel. I think that's really the issue, not the fact that we disagree about everything else that happens with the faith, but it's the gospel that unites us in our common faith, period. I, I think. It's the right. way I'm understanding that, That's where I like that. The, the, I mention one rest. thing? Yeah. Oh, when Paul, excuse me, when Peter went up to talk to the Galatians, Excuse me, to the Gentiles with Cornelius the first time. In Acts 10, 44, it says, Of him all the prophets bear witness, that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who were listening to the message. And... They knew nothing about about anything. They heard that by believing in Christ, they received forgiveness of sins, and they and the Holy Spirit fell on them. I mean, that's how basic the gospel, the right. salvation by faith, really is. Right, and that that's what I say. I think there's a baseline, and that you know we we talk about that, and we we've Mike and I have a discussion. You know that that. The basics there, and there's probably, you know, millions and billions of people over the time frame who have not gotten out of the nursery. They have that base knowledge, like, like Peter and, and, and that group. They know the Lord, but they don't grow because they don't, they don't get taught more. They don't, don't you study. know, they don't study. They don't, but they're saved and they're in the body of Christ. And, and that's, I think, the, con- that's what I was trying to get at, is the common faith is that. And, and again, it's to believers. It's not to unbelievers. It's not that. And, and JD, it's what, what you referred to, and it's to those who have received. It's not to the people who have rejected, not to the people who don't know. It's not any of that. It's to those who have received. They have the same faith as us. For me? Yeah. Yeah, with- Um, I was just gonna add that our faith is solely on the work of Christ and he is the focus of that faith. It's not anything else. And granite people add law and tradition and whatever onto it. But if they believe first Corinthians 15, three and four, they are saved. Right. have put their faith in what Christ has done. Right. And that's what I'm saying. That's the, that's the common faith. And that's where I was saying, like, and what you're looking at, I think is for us and the looking at it, but the faith is the faith. How are we going to look at it 16 ways to Sunday? But, but 
the faith is the faith. If you listen to a guy like Chester McCauley, he says that if you add anything to it, you can't guarantee that you are saved. In other words, if if someone says, well, here's the gospel, but you got to confess your sins and you got to get up out of your chair and come forward. He said those people may not be saved because they have relied on something other than just the pure gospel. Now, he's the only one that I've read that says that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in disagree. Most other guys don't. Yeah. But if you listen to the contemporary televangelists. Which I don't. <laughs> uh, I don't recommend you do. But there's so much other stuff. Oh, you got to confess your sins. you got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. John MacArthur would tell you if you didn't make him the Lord of your life, you're not saved. Right. I, and again, this, if it doesn't have the basic salvation. Is 15. Right. If, if you don't have that, right. But, but, you know, he may add on to all that, but if you have that and then, and then you must after, you know, I still think the basis is there for salvation. And you, yeah. you, you, and you're uh, going to be. I mean, not, that's the way I believe. Yeah, that's. I, I, I just you have 45 things, but the gospel's in the middle. Yeah, right. You got it. again all the superfluous stuff yeah. that gets in there, and yeah. and you know, and that that's just a hindrance to spiritual growth. Yeah. Is that you're chained to? You know, it's it's kind of like just what you said. Satan's the liar. Satan wants all this other crud sure. on top of it to keep you from growing. Yeah. You know, he can't. He can't. Take your salvation away, but he can do everything in his power to make you do all the works and all the thing and enliven the flesh as much as you can by, by deceit and lying. But if the gospel message is in there, that, that's my whole point is that's the common faith because that's the basis of our salvation. Oh, he's giving, oh yeah, time, time here. Sorry. This is now going to be, there are eight questions on here, so eight weeks from now we'll finish this lesson. So we are, we're going through. Love the discussions though, it's good. I think it's interesting, you know, and, and a couple of the questions are going to be pretty straightforward, but, uh, anyway, now good, good thoughts, you know, and to think about that. What is the common faith? I, I think we all have it. All believers have that common faith as a base. So that would, that was the point of all the, my true child in a common faith, you know. All right, let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you again. We we just thank you that we're in Christ. Uh, all the other things that we can discuss and talk about, but uh, those who uh, know you, and uh, again, eternal life is to know your son. And uh, we just uh, thank you again for your word that gives us the simple Simple gospel message. Uh, we are saved by grace through faith and faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And again, uh, your perfect plan of salvation that you offer to us after the, what Christ did on the cross. So we, uh, we thank you for that. We thank you that it's a simple message. And yet, uh, again, uh, we, there's so much, uh, uh, differences and different things, but the pure, uh, commonality that we have is uh, simple faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And we, uh, we just thank you again just for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which uh, convinces us and convicts us of those truths and just the eternality of that relationship that we have with you. So thank you now and, uh, just pray from, uh, Mike in the second, uh, meeting. Just, uh, Bring us the word accurately and just prepare our hearts to receive it. And may we, uh, all that we say and do this day, honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.